I'll be a millionaire. You'll be a millionaire. Anybody will be a millionaire if they can find massive amounts of audiences where they can just help them make better decisions. Hey, it's Jason Flatlin here. You're listening to The Jason Flatlin Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Let me tell you about John. Now, John went to the casino recently to gamble because his head was kind of murky and he didn't know what to do and he wanted some thrill in his life. And as he was at the casinos, he was playing roulette and that little white ball, they would throw it in, they would spin it around and it landed on black one time, then two times, then three times, then four times, then 21 consecutive times. This roulette ball landed on the color black. So now John's like, okay, I'm going to work up my nerves and I'm going to push a whole bunch of money onto red because red has got to come up next because black has just come up 21 times consecutively. And unfortunately, that's not necessarily the case because it's still a 50-50 probability. But nonetheless, John decides to put it all on red and he loses and he's depressed, which is even worse because... John is a big decision he's got to make before tomorrow, which is what surgery is he going to go after? He's got this medical condition and he's got a major surgery that needs to be done in order to potentially save his life. And he has consulted wisely two different surgeons for it. And the first surgeon has given him the option of his surgery, which has an 80% survival rate. And the second surgeon has given him an alternative surgery, which only has a 20% fatality rate towards it. And maybe only is not the proper word to use there. And so John isn't sure which surgery he should pick, even though 80% survival and 20% fatal are the same exact thing. And to make matters worst of all is John has made more money than ever, and he's worked more harder than ever in the last couple of years. And yet for some reason, he doesn't understand why he's more miserable than ever. Because what happened was John, when he was making $100,000 a year, he lived in a neighborhood where he was the richest person in that neighborhood. And then when he started making $500,000 a year because he was able to work the extra hours and figure out the politics involved to, to ascend the corporate ladder... He moved into a posher, nicer neighborhood where he is now the poorest person in that neighborhood. (laughs) So he's making five times the amount of money, but he's more miserable than he ever is. Now, I bring up all of these concepts to you, and they're obvious when I point them out, yet these are biases in how we make decisions on a daily basis over and over again, where we don't realize what's called the framing effect that highly prejudices us to make wrong decisions or to not understand what decisions have the highest probability of success versus those that have the lowest probability of success. Um, Constantly, many of us with these invisible forces that we're not aware of are making really dumb decisions over and over and over again repeatedly, and they can be easily fixed. And so my hope is in this video, I'm going to give you more frame awareness, and that will automatically allow you to make better decisions or at least stop making so many bad decisions repeatedly over and over again. Um, From a business standpoint, the framing effect is super powerful because a a product or an idea can, can be a huge winner or a complete loser just based upon framing considerations. And so an idea that I always think of that best personifies this is in the political fields, there was this concept back in the day of the estate tax. Uh, You know, when, when you pass away, 
and then you give it to your heirs, the inheritance, should that be taxed or shouldn't that be taxed? And it was going back and forth. It was pretty 50-50. And then some genius came up with the concept of, well, let's label it a death tax, not an estate tax. And when they framed that as a death tax with that very, very strong language and imagery, uh, then it passed. And it was uncontested for many, 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 many years. And so the framing of it from a language perspective, it's not the only frame, it is a frame, can be incredibly powerful. Uh, right now, though, I will tell you, you and I were being very intentionally manipulated by frames, very deliberately by experts who do this for a living. And so by putting some insight into it, maybe you can take back some of the control, live life more on your agenda as opposed to somebody else's. Now, there are many, many different frames. I'm gonna talk about three in this video here today. If you like this and you wanna know more, drop me a line in the comments and I can break down many, many other frames. Uh, but the ones I wanna to give to you today are the ones that were earlier in our fictitious John example. Uh, they are the recency frame, they are the negative positive frame, and they are the relative frame. And so the recency frame in John's particular case is because he, he witnessed an event happen repeatedly where it was always red, he thought it was black or whatever it was, vice versa. If you and your friend flip a coin and it's head seven times, the eighth time you flip that coin, it's a 50% chance of landing on heads and it's a 50% chance of landing on tails, regardless of any other results that had preceded it. Now, you, you, it seems obvious when I point it out, doesn't it? Why is it then that we're predicated to think because of these recent events happens, then this is more likely to occur. And it's because of recallability. We can easily recall previous events that have just happened. If we can recall them, our brain tends to overvalue them by default. So recency equals more easy to recall. More easy to recall has higher value. Based on the higher value of that information, we start to believe conclusions that are completely erroneous. So in one instance, it's because of all of these things happened this one way in the past, this other way is likely to occur. And the stock market is, well, stocks can't keep going down forever. It's been going down for so long, it's going to rally and start to go up. And then once it goes up, people then start to believe, well, it's going to keep going up. And then they ride it all the way up to the top. And then it crashes all the way to the bottom and the cycle repeats. It's as old as time. Um, and that's really interesting where recency can affect you e in either direction. This has happened repeatedly the last 15 times. And so it's likely to happen again the 16th time. Or because this has happened repeatedly the last 15 times, the opposite or something completely different is likely to happen the 16th time. So in the book Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, Really good example of this recency effect is there's a study in there when I think they're at a mall or something and a person walks up to them and is like, hey, do you want to join this email list about XYZ? And most people are like, I don't want to be on your stupid email list. I want to be on any email list, you know, it's especially cold somebody walking up. So it had a very low compliance rate. But when they preceded it with the question, do you consider yourself adventurous? And if the person said yes, and then they said, would you like to join our email list? They offered a conduit, which allowed that, pers that person to be consistent with the imagery of themselves being adventurous. Now, it's silly because most people 
don't walk around thinking I'm an adventurous person. But if you ask them, do you consider yourself to be adventurous? Almost anybody, because they feel like that's a positive trait to be adventurous, can recall some time in their life where they were adventurous and then say, yes, I'm adventurous. And then they could be manipulated into opting in for something that they necessarily wouldn't want to opt in for. The other really famous example, I think, in the persuasion book is where he has two groups of people. One is a woman walks up to a guy and says, hey, those five guys over there on Main Street, uh, they stole my cell phone. Will you go back and get it for me? Low compliance rate to that. But if the if the, the woman comes over to the man and says, hey, those guys over there on Valentine Street stole my phone, will you get it back for me? Higher compliance rate. Why is that the case? Because it, it just evoked a concept of chivalry, of even romance, with the, the street name being Valentine's, making it more easily to recall that I should, you know, be there and do acts of service for women on this particular day or whatever the case may be. So therefore, I will do something I normally wouldn't do because of some recent piece of information that has been put in my head makes me more likely to do things that are consistent with whatever that information is or at least in a way that says, okay, because of this information, I'm going to do X. And so this is why everybody who goes to a speech that's generally a really good speech say, that's one of the best speeches I've ever heard. Because they can't remember all the speeches they ever heard. They remember that one at that particular time, and it was pretty good. And so they tend to overvalue it. And as a result, they tend to act upon it in ways in which if, if, if it was six months Later, they wouldn't act on it. And then they get mad when they say, well, how come I can't follow through on these things? This is one of the reasons why. Um, One of the suggestions then is how do we counteract this recency effect where we otherwise would make really, really bad decisions where the probability doesn't favor us? And one of the answers to this, this is something I highly suggest you do, is to become more in tune with your historical wins, to counterbalance everything else that that is going on in your life. So if, if you have your recent wins, they're harder to recall if you're not having many of them. And that's generally the case for people that try to better themselves. A lot of betterment looks like this. Screw up 97 times and get a breakthrough on the 98th time. So the recency effect there is, oh my God, look at all this failure that's surrounding me. <laughs> and so one of the ways we see that through is we have a, we have a log, a backlog of successes that are not necessarily easy to recall. But when we look at them and we read them through, it helps to to counterbalance all of the challenge and adversity that we face as we try to get a breakthrough. Most breakthroughs happen after a series of setbacks. That's the probability. But most people can't see themselves through those setbacks because all they're seeing is setbacks. And that's what's easy for them to recall. We want to counteract that. And so we could say, okay, this has also occurred. This has also occurred. This has also happened. We have to find a way to have a more holistic viewpoint of what's happening, not just be prejudiced towards one thing because it is easier to recall. So I want you to think about times in your life where there were things that were wonderful that happened to you, but don't necessarily easily come to mind, but sit down and put some time frames in terms of, okay, when I was this age, So when I was 20, what was the most favorable memory that I had? When I was 21, what was the most favorable memory I had? When I was 22. And if you're 50, you could have 20, 30, 40 best memory of the year. And then you could always have those accessible when it comes to what's going on right now. Or on the the flip side, if somebody's pushing you in a direction where they're trying to evoke only X at the expense of Y and Z, consider are there factors outside of the scope of X that I should be aware of? 
So that's the first frame. The second frame is the negative positive framing, the whole concept of an 80% success rate versus a 20% failure rate. I like using these statistics as an example because hopefully we can all agree that's the exact same thing. The information is the same. How it's presented is different. So an 80% success rate versus a 20% failure rate. Depending on the information and depending on the individual, framing it as a positive or framing it as a negative is preferable or creates more impact. So I'm always thinking about framing information in the lens of how will this empower my audience? How will this give me the most effect on the insight that I have? So if you have a very valuable insight that you think will better people, consider the frame of the information. Should it be framed from a positive lens? Should it be framed from a negative lens? When I communicate in mass markets, I do both. I give people both because I know certain pockets of the audience are going to respond more to a negative frame than a positive, and some are going to respond more to a positive frame than a negative frame. And by the way, both tend to respond even better when you give them both because then they have a deeper understanding of the situation. And by responding better, what I mean is make better decisions. All I want is to find audiences and empower them to make better decisions. I'll be a millionaire. You'll be a millionaire. Anybody will be a millionaire if they can find massive amounts of audiences uh, where they can just help them make better decisions. Word of mouth alone and reputation and brand alone from the output of taking people that typically are stuck and unsticking them will make you a millionaire. And so this is why this stuff is really important to me. And this is why I don't just bias to the frame that I uh, prefer because I'm generally a positive frame kind of guy. Okay. But I also consider the frame of how somebody else would make a decision. And then if I give them both, I find both audiences appreciate them. I also do this with myself as well. As I say, if I framed it this way, would it impact things? Would it make me feel better about it or would it make me feel worse about it? Does it give me more insight when I do it this way or not? Um, what I would love for you to do in this situation is just practice consciously for a week. Anytime you hear data or insight, practice the opposite of it. Flip it the other way. So is it a 10% unemployment rate or is it a 90% employment rate? Okay. If you have a goal of losing 20 pounds and you've lost five pounds already, have you succeeded by losing five pounds or are you in the deficit of needing 15 more pounds to go? So one can be celebrated or the other one could feel terrible, right? It's like, huh. I still have 15 more pounds to go. That's a negative frame. Or look at I've already lost five pounds. That's a positive frame. And then the holistic frame is, even though I got 15 more pounds to go, I've already lost five and I feel really good about that. And I'm going to stay on track to lose the other 15. So every time I'm hearing data or statistics, I'm trying to flip it. You know, success rates become failure rates. Failure rates become success rates. Uh, 98% fat free becomes 2% fat. You're like, ooh, okay, well, maybe that changes things a little bit too. Um, looking at it from both perspectives, the 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 gap and the gain. If you're if you're a Dan Sullivan fan, right? The, what's the gap between this information? What's the gain from this information in terms of if if there's data that's being accrued over a period of time? Um, lastly, the relative frame. We are uh, we are terrible as human beings at objective valuation and measurement. Uh, we are incredibly good at subjective valuation. And we generally are subjectively valued from a position of detriment. 
And so it's really easy for us to easily accept what's in our lives as natural very quickly and look at what we lack and only emphasize and focus on the lack. So there are almost a billion people on the planet that still don't have electricity. And many, many, many people don't have access to clean water um, where they don't have, they have to walk miles each day in order to get water. Um, so their water source is unstable, unstable. They don't know if they can count on it or not. And so I just want you to think about the situation. There are about a billion people on the planet right now who would just give almost anything to trade places with you for a week. Now, if they traded places with you and they stayed that way for a month or two, it's amazing at which they could uh, habituate that new experience. It's like, oh, hot water. Wow. Most people don't even have access to water uh, in many, many, many countries. And the hot water takes a little longer for us to get churned on in the morning. You know, So there's, there's always the relativity of things. By the way, that doesn't diminish how you feel on the inside. You feel however you feel. But it helps when I consider the relativity of the situation of not just what do I need, but what do I already have. Um, in a cell situation, a, a relative framing is, hey, you're 93 million miles from the sun, yet it gives you everything you need. And don't you think you could help a thousand people get what they need? And if they paid you a thousand dollars, there's a million dollars that you've just generated. And what they hear is 93 million from the sun, 1,000 people. One of those is a gigantic number. One of those is a small number. That relativity of comparison. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It makes that insignificant. So if somebody was out there and they were very doubtful that they could help a thousand souls on this planet of eight billion souls, it starts to feel very achievable and very doable when you put it in its proper context. But given the fact that most of us can't even fathom 8 billion people, and most of us only know about 150 people, we tend to have the frame of reference of a very small focus when there's a lot more out there. Uh, the way I like to look at this is I want to balance out the deficit with, with the acceptance of what I already have. Uh, I tend to, as do most people, especially entrepreneurs, spend too much time on what I need to accomplish next, what I have to pursue, what I don't yet have, what I need to make that isn't being made yet. Uh, and that's that can be good for a motivation standpoint to get things done, but it doesn't necessarily feel good on the inside if you're always focused on that next achievement, next acquisition. I, uh, ironically enough, you'll probably get that achievement or that acquisition more effectively if you spend, and deliberately so, more time of, here's what I've already accomplished. Here are the skill sets I already have inside of me. Here are the characteristics that I already possess. Here are the wins that I've already won. And that's powerful, very powerful, when it comes to investing those wins into the next thing as opposed to looking at the deficit of what you currently don't have that you need to acquire to get the next thing. Both are very helpful. This is why we try to look at it from multiple frames of reference, as opposed to this one frame that we typically look at things from, which only gives us one type of result. I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing one of these finest individuals I've ever met in my life is a gentleman named Joel Weldon. Joel Weldon is a Hall of Fame speaker, National Speakers Association Hall of Fame member, 
uh, over 80 years old. He's been speaking professionally for like 50, 60 years. The guy is just not only a genius, but he's one of the most well put together human beings I know of in terms of happiness and acceptance and all of that jazz. And he tells this story of if you took the Mona Lisa and you put duct tape around it for its frame, it would have a big impact on the perception of its value. So I would I want you to put duct tape around these limitations that you have as your frame. Give them a really bad frame. And then your strengths, I want you to put them in a frame that would be fitting of a Mona Lisa, a beautiful, wonderful, just all attractive frame. And then try that on and let me know how that works for you. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.